Hey there. This special episode is only possible because people have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and given very generously. People like Jason Moses, Mitchell Stemple, Tyler Ringeisen, and Matt Carney. Thank you to all of those people. You can be like them by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Listening to Watch Out for Fireballs, it is a Games Club podcast. Yeah, and this week we are going to be bringing you a broadcast of the live episode that we recorded at the 2019 Portland Retro Games Expo. Yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah. Uh, first episode of the new year, mm-hmm. doing a live one, uh, so we can do Christmas. Yeah, so, <laughs> so hopefully yeah. you understand. Yeah, um, I think it's a fun episode i think so too uh i'm gonna i'm gonna come out here and apologize right away for the for what happened at the beginning legit started having a panic attack i didn't realize how close i was after a long day of um a long day of being on the show floor uh Mm -hmm. and then like a a weirdly like just stressful like getting ready period so i had to step away uh for just a little bit so gary i'm sorry i left you in the lurch like that it's okay yeah yeah it went okay yeah. It's it's incredibly low pressure. Not, I'm not saying that to like refute your point. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> be a shitty thing. I mean, I just mean that like it is. Uh, it's generally pretty warm. Yeah, more crowded these things. Um, so it was. Uh, I, I felt not tons of. Uh, I felt okay. Yeah, being left uh, on that. It is a. Uh, it's a lot of work. Yeah, these things are hard, man. Um, uh, to do these events. Mm-hmm. The uh, what's funny? Uh, so they keep um putting us. Uh, I think we we're getting bigger crowds. Yes at these things but they keep putting us in like we are our crowd is maybe 20 percent bigger and the room was five times as big as <laughs> usually in. yeah just to make it you know just to feel incredibly pathetic yeah. uh, it's very funny you know so it's like pretty you know good turnout for us yeah but just uh just gigantic ballroom <laughs> you know it was very funny no <laughs> yeah. uh very fun uh yeah. so good time uh, mm-hmm. That weekend, we're recording this quite a bit after. Yeah. Um. You know, we we did things. I don't have tons of specific memories mm-hmm. uh, from the show floor. We like to do kind of a recount. Yeah. Of what the live show was like, but they are getting a little bit routine. Like mm-hmm. they're difficult. Yeah. You know, it, it is it is always a little bit difficult. Like it's it's, uh, we can do it. It's it's doable. You know, unforeseen things are rare. Yeah. Uh. You know, but it, it is. Uh. It's it was kind of just like a con ass con. Yeah. This year. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah, what are what are some specific memories from that? What was cool? Um, I caught a little bit of the uh, the end of the Tetris tournament. Oh, cool! Which was cool. That was yeah. really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, the Game Preservation Society, uh, Frank Cifaldi's organization, had a Game Boy printer set up, mm-hmm. and they were doing uh, they would print out your Game Boy ca- uh, camera picture mm-hmm. for a donation, which I did. Yeah, pretty big um, too. It wasn't just like a little postage stamp like you usually got on the uh, Game Boy printer. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was just a. It wasn't a Game Boy printer. Printer actually, it was yeah, just a printer hooked up to a Game Boy camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it looked great. Yeah, you know, I love the Game Boy camera. That's very um, good. Yeah. Uh, what else? Did you get anything? Did you end up taking any homemade souvenirs this year? Um, I did. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, there's an artist who, um, fuck, I have their business card here somewhere, but I don't, I can't find it on the spot. Her name is Katie Clark, and you can find her on Etsy. There's an artist who does, um, um, uh, paintings. So they're like versions of famous paintings, but they all include shy guys. Okay. Um, and so I got a, I got a small one because it's, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit of a bummer because, you know, I fly, so I can't really like get anything big, uh, to put in. So it's a very small picture. It is, um, uh, oh gosh, Picasso's guitar playing man, mm-hmm. uh, guitarist from his blue period. But, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a shy guy playing the guitar, mm-hmm. uh, which is wonderful. I had been like circling this booth for years. Uh, thinking I need to get something from this. I love Shy Guys. Uh, it's my mm-hmm. favorite Mario enemy. And uh, finally, I took the plunge and I bought a small little print. And it sits right in front of my computer monitor because I like it mm. very much. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't get tons of stuff. This year, I bought a bunch of vinyl. Oh, yeah. Uh, video game soundtrack vinyls are in. So that was a big, uh, big get for me. Um, I bought the Symphony of the Night uh, soundtrack and the Castlevania 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, soundtrack on vinyl which was fun and good yeah um both those are both great they don't loop enough <laughs> right on the record which so, is kind of a bummer so it's like 45 very short tracks yeah it's it's yeah it's it's not a you know it's not something you, it's something you put on and listen to in its completeness you don't like mm-hmm. groove on a song right uh individually but that was pretty fun um the uh what else let's have that weekend i had a bunch of health shit just because yeah. this, this autumn for me, uh-huh. um, you know, I have been kind of getting it from all angles health wise. So, like, I had a really bad uh, on Sunday, like a very bad stomach day. Oh, yeah. Um, I've had some continuous stomach problems and everything. It was just like really, really uh, not doing good yeah. with that. So it's a, uh, you know, and we're recording this on the eve of Duck Stream <laughs> and I'm not like free and clear. Right. Like it's not it's not over, <laughs> um, you know, so I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, when you're hearing this, um, you know, did I shit myself on Duckstream? Time will tell. <laughs> the world may never know. You know, hopefully not. Um, but yeah, I just definitely having some gut stuff, and that that was kind of uh, hit a uh, a peak mm-hmm. during PR PRG weekend. Yeah. Um, big shout out to uh, Nick and Will and Brayton. Yes, as usual, uh, for coming and hanging out uh, with us. Um, met a lot of people. Typically, we write down the names of people who we meet at the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not do that this year. Not for any reason. I think I just forgot to start doing it. Yeah. Um, so we like to give out a big shout out. Um, we apologize. We're not able to do so, uh, this year just because of memory. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. again, it was, it was kind of, again, kind of hard mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. um, yeah, and we didn't do a a booth participation thing this year either. No, it's gonna no. all this like talking about it in retrospect. It sounds like we phoned in everything. I swear we didn't. <laughs> I swear. Like, yeah, we we, we a, met so many people. Yeah, we met a lot of people. Part of it, like the timing of this happening right after Duckfest. Yeah, uh, made this difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, like it was sooner than I wanted it to be. Yes, it was. Duckfest. It was basically a month turnaround. Yeah. Which is not a lot of time, right? You know, for for this kind of thing, for you, for travel, mm-hmm. for me, for being on for a weekend. Yeah, it's a it's a different kind of work than we're used to doing. You know. Yes. You know, I'm I'm very like, you know, very used to like waking up, doing my recording and editing work and everything, and then just kind of going into the dark. Yeah. You know, a, a stillness 
so so peaceful it is like the dark (laughs) like that is that is my groove that is what i want you know and uh it just being being called out of that was a little bit tricky Mm -hmm. you know so we did did not uh you know it was it was just hard yeah but the meetup was fun meetup was super fun great time at the meetup Mm -hmm. um the uh you know hanging out with uh you know our our buddies like people who we see every year and then also uh bob hanging out which is awesome like our our pod buddies hanging out as well Mm mm-hmm um yeah just uh and you know met a lot of people who said very nice things yeah uh as far as we really do appreciate it when people come up and talk to us yeah and chat with us it's really nice yeah oh. um oh a weird thing uh they've changed the way that music works at this thing so now you do the entire expo in eerie silence yep so that's odd <laughs> we complain too much uh yeah. and, and, and then... there's like so you like silence do you <laughs> Uh, well, it's and like, they gave it to us. It, it, no, it's not that I like silence. It's just that I don't want DJ Switch yelling at me all the time. It's it's and and that part it's weird because that still happened. Yes, like when there were announcements, they were still louder than anything. Uh-huh. We just couldn't hear the music from where we were. Right. Um, you know. I had big plans to play some video games down mm-hmm. in the music zone this year, and just didn't because of those health kind of things. Yeah, yeah. I I, so. I got I didn't get in as much pinball as I would have liked. But mm-hmm. yeah. such is life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such indeed is life. Yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, that might be it for like recounting. I know that's not a whole lot of stuff. Like yeah. last year, I feel like we had like very specific goofs and stuff from the table. And it's uh-huh. not like there weren't legendary goofs uh, <laughs> happening at the table. I forget. Was this uh, was this the year where we just started talking like Texas gentlemen? Nope. That no, was last year. That was last, last year. year or... was, uh, was the plantations of Oregon with the super mario brothers jesus god uh that was last year um so that that is the you know that is the the absolute value that like will and brayton and nick bring is just like goofing around and losing our minds in a really fun way yeah you know uh so it's fun to be recording this right on the eve of duck stream which like Mm -hmm. that is the predominant duck stream feeling for me yeah so and i just look on jealously here in my room alone well you got greta uh, yes, you know, it's just, uh-huh. she's, great. she's been a bit of a pill lately. Greta, <laughs> uh, just to, to throw this in, if you, if you don't mind me doing a quick plug, okay. um, I started a darkest dungeon. Let's play. Okay. And Greta, the cat and pocket, the cat are pretty good teammates. Ooh, cool. And that I've been naming all the characters after, you know, people and pets that I know. Yeah. So Greta, the cat is very valuable. Nice. What, uh, what, what kind of character is Greta, the cat? Uh, trying to remember oh, what Greta, okay. the cat is, yeah. uh, Greta, the, um, possibly a, might be might be a crusader. It's still like giving me the like basic classes. I haven't got anything real wild. Yeah, yeah. Pocket is a hound master. Mm. Um, so ironic. <laughs> uh, but the um, yeah. So that the Greta of the cat has proven to be clutch, and you you're the Cole Ross character has also proven to be very clutch. Ooh, cool. So yeah, very good. Yeah. Whereas the uh, Will Hughes Vestal keeps getting stressed out, and the My Sinclair uh, Grave Robber had to be dumped after <laughs> oh, almost no, fucking no, over an entire no, mission. My. So, I, I just replaced it with new my like i'm yeah. not okay not it's in permadeath replacement mice yeah there's, there's no permadeath for friends right you know um yeah so yeah but that's on the uh duck feed youtube channel Go yeah. check that out it's, uh, there, there's good fun there's lots of shit happening on the duck feed youtube, youtube channel if you want to go yeah. see that yeah we don't talk about it a lot but it's extant yeah um yeah so we should just get into it um, we, should. we should talk a little bit about what we chose to do yeah, yeah. The uh, the, this this was uh, this was a bit of an experiment for us. Um, mm-hmm. That like it's it's a little bit like it's weird that this kind of came together around the same time we started thinking of tube, tube talking, where it's like yeah. oh, let's just recommend things to each other. Um, yeah. But the idea was it's a little bit um, you know 
more, more, more general than we usually do, but just like uh, either hidden gems or underappreciated classics, just like stuff that we don't really hear talked about that much. Mm hmm. So, you know, basically our version of what is kind of a hacky YouTube premise, mm -hmm. which is like, you know, undiscovered gems, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, this is our undiscovered gems. We're recommending each other, but we're also just doing a high level. What's cool about this? Yeah. I kind of think we used visual aids for the mm -hmm. first time in a panel. Um, mm -hmm. Don't feel like you're missing out too much, though. It's just four screenshots. Yes. Per game. Mm -hmm. And we, we, you know, we, we generally describe the takeaways from them like if there's a particular thing about the graphics you know like you bring up you have a genesis game that features gigantic beautiful sprites and we just kind of mm -hmm. mention that yeah no um there's also uh they upload this like they do for most prg things so if you'd rather watch it mm -hmm. uh you can yeah you know but you won't get the you won't get the the, the wraparound no no. So you you want this, which we've been struggling to remember things from <laughs> yeah. a month ago, yeah. uh, from two months ago. Like, do I remember anything from two months ago? No, no. Uh, yeah, no. My brain is uh, Swiss cheese at this point. Yeah, no, no. It's a, like it was all. I mean, it was barely recorded because of cortisol. So exactly, yeah, yeah, re cortisol. <laughs> we need more cortisol. Um, so we each chose three games. Uh, so just think of it as like three miniature wafts. Yes. Um, also, definitely let us know if you were there or if you're listening to this. If you think this is a good. Uh, idea for live shows or not like it mm -hmm. was an experiment as we mentioned we've been trying to since we move those into topics versus covering different games we're just kind of trying to figure out what we want to do for live shows yeah yeah doing you know doing a couple of those a year i think the pinball episode during the uh duck fest was really successful yes that was a good experiment and then sometimes you know who knows if this is it's yeah. always hard for me to tell yeah afterwards you know so let us um, know. it was fun to do yeah so yeah it was fun to do but uh you know sometimes things that we've had fun to do are not necessarily what people uh, get the most out of Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, so hopefully you dig it. Yeah. Um, we will be back. So go ahead and, and enjoy that. Yep. Um, we will be back next week with the first proper Watch Out for Fireballs of 2020 mm -hmm. on Dusk, um, which I am like almost done with my second playthrough of, and I love. Yep. Uh, be prepared for me to convince you to try Dusk. <laughs> if you're like, I don't want to try Dusk, I, you will want to try Dusk. Yeah. By the end of that podcast, I will fucking yep. no, no, make you try. <laughs> Dusk owns. Uh, like Dusk I, haven't, owns. I haven't even gotten to like the explicitly cool stuff, uh, yeah. but I, I, I like even the basic things at the uh, at the start, kind of in the first episode of it. Yeah. Um, it's every, the tone is just fucking incredible. Yeah. Like it, it as a, as a horror, it is like one of my favorite pure horror action games. Yes, there's no other way to describe it. Like it is scary, mm -hmm. uh, but it is an action game. Yes. Uh, and it's a, a very, 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 very good action game. <laughs> so, um, And then after that, uh, be prepared for me to make a case for playing in the Cat Lady, mm -hmm. um, which is, um, you know, a pure horror adventure game. Yeah, I started the Cat Lady. I haven't gotten very far into it. Mm -hmm. um, it got cool. I will say if you're like me, um, the beginning of it, I didn't I was put off by. Mm. I think they're early on, like when you're just kind of walking back and forth. Yeah. You know, I was like, this, this, I don't, I'm not solving puzzles. I'm just walking back and forth. Right. This is annoying. Uh, and then it gets interesting. Yes. So it, it takes a minute though. So give it a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then the premium episode for January is going to be about Shadowrun Dragonfall. Yeah. Which I'm also really looking forward to, uh, to picking back up. So um, really uh, lots of great stuff coming in. The things that are coming uh, further in the, the quarter. This is all like bangers. Yes. Essentially. So uh, you will. <laughs> You will enjoy this quarter of Watch Out for Fireballs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, go. Uh, we're we're going to let the episode play. Uh, the mm -hmm. live audio. 
Um, mm-hmm. Probably not going to have anything on the on the other side since we did a lot of the admin stuff here. So uh, yeah. we will see you next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we will see you then. Thanks. Thanks. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you are watching Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We told you to do that, but it's uh, we still appreciate it. The, uh, that's for people in the future. I can't lie. Um, so yeah, so we have uh, kind of an unusual uh, show for you today, uh, something we don't we haven't done before. Um, we are doing what is kind of like six miniature episodes of our podcast with a focus on uh, unfairly forgotten, obscure, or unfairly maligned games. Yes, uh, we are uh, kind of digging up these hidden gems and getting very defensive about either why they are actually good or why they are worth paying attention to. Yeah. If you want to hear us respond to opinion third... Stated by people who are not in this room and have never been in this room. There's going to be a lot of being really angry at like EGM reviewers from <laughs> the late 90s. Uh, but real quick, uh, you know, this is not the usual format of the show. Um, it is a uh, book club, but for games. So we choose a game, we discuss it. Um, if you've never heard us before, give it a shot. Uh, we've been going for eight years uh, and some change, and we've done 250 episodes, covered a lot of different games. Uh, so you can check and see if you dig it. Okay. Um, yeah, so one of the reasons why we're doing uh, this uh, specifically is because we've never done it before. Um, we know that this is a little bit of a uh, hacky thing, like hidden gems is something like 40% of retro YouTube. You know, like if you go on, it's like, I'm Peanut Butter Boy. Welcome to the old game showcase. You've never played this at Sonic 3? You know, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and, but we've never done it. And because we're raging egotists, uh, we felt like our version would be worth presenting. Uh, so we chose three games, uh, and I will go ahead and get started with mine um, here. The first one, and, and everybody can make noise if you like this game and have heard of it, because it'll make us less defensive. Uh, and that game is 1993's Sega Genesis Ranger X. People know Ranger X? A couple, a couple people know Ranger X. Um, so, uh, Ranger X is a weird game, it is kind of a run-and-gun, uh, it has the kind of visuals of a run-and-gun game, like a Contra or what have you, uh, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, I got this randomly from a thrift store, uh, probably when I was like 17, uh, I was a second-generation Genesis kid, uh, you know, grew up with the Super Nintendo and then had my own spending money and decided to see what was going on on the, uh, the Sega Genesis. I just realized Cole was patrolling the, uh, the slideshow, though. So you guys want to see this thing, uh, so I do have to wait for him. The, uh, it is quite all right, yeah, it's, uh, we will be back. What, uh, what can I, how can I kill time? What if we, what if we just staring contest this? The, uh, blink. Lost. Blink. <laughs> no, that's so much weirder at this than it is. At, uh, so, from what the <laughs> since I didn't get picked up on the microphone, someone from the audience said, "Tell us the vasectomy story again." Uh, so that implies two things. If you've never heard of us, like one, uh, there's a vasectomy story. <laughs> two, people here could have theoretically heard it already. Uh, so, anywho, I decided to get a vasectomy, and the uh, I went in. 
And uh, I had a, uh, this is the abbreviated version because Cole will be back any moment, sure. Uh, I had a, uh, in some cases the best case, in some cases the worst case doctor who was a young gamer. Uh, who, uh, so when I first came in, the nurse asked me leading questions about what kind of music I liked. And uh, I was like, oh, you know, like old stuff? And she goes, like CCR? And then I was like, yeah, like Creedence Clearwater is fine. She's like, okay, good. And then the doctor comes, and after the, the nurse had like scrubbed me down, like, uh, you know, I'm just laying naked face up on the table, basically, like just all my stuff showing. Uh, the doctor comes in, looks over at the stereo, goes, CCR, nice. Did you pick this? <laughs> to me. <laughs> and my life is in his hands, so I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I love them. I love CCR. Uh, so he goes, you know, gives me a couple like meaningful nods. Uh, and he asked what I did. So I told him I was a podcaster. Uh, and then that leads to a bunch of follow-up questions. And he started talking about games. Uh, he also likes uh, games and old games. And a real like daymare scenario I have is that somebody uh, who's mad about something I didn't like will someday have a scalpel uh, near my scrotum. Uh, so immediately uh, he's like, "Oh man, I love old games. Like, you know, I just I love Chrono Trigger, and I like Chrono Trigger, but I think it's overrated. And I was certain that I was going to get like." Brist 2, you know, like some kind of uh, double brist action. But uh, I was like, yeah, you know, it's good. Uh, so he, uh, he continues, and at one point he says, this is unrelated to him being a gamer, so it doesn't necessarily relate to this. But, uh, you know, vast deference, which are the tubes you have uh, in there. Apparently, there are uh, fake ones, they're like mimics, uh, they're called parabats. And he kept grabbing those when he eventually got it. And this is where the story's going to end, because Cole's going back. So uh, he eventually got it, uh, and he said, uh, Bro, I just grabbed your bass. Do you want to see, or is that too weird? <laughs> Which is one of the worst sentences I've ever told. The other thing, though, later, uh, that was on one side, found it instantly like my bass was doing good that day. Other side, couldn't find it for a long time, which is the worst feeling uh, ever. Like, it, you're numb, but it hurts. Uh, it feels like somebody is like, and then when he found it, and I'm not kidding, and this sounds fake, but I'm not kidding, he made the Zelda item noise. No joke. Like, he grabs it and he goes like, da na 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 Because we had established that we were both gamer Americans. Uh, and any other situation, I would have thought that was the funniest thing in the world. But I'm lying, uh, face up, exposed, cold sweat, bright lights, run through the jungle, blaring on the stereo. <laughs> and I was not a fortunate son in that moment. Uh, so, uh, I apologize for that. While we're being medically honest, I just didn't have a panic attack. So I will be good. I took medicine and I'm good. So. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I started actually going into it, but I realized that... Yeah. So I started talking about redirects. Yeah, let's let's queue up to that. Yeah. This is an interesting game here. It is. It is an interesting game. Uh, developed by a company called Gao, G-A-U, uh, who went on to merge and form members of Wolf Team and form Nex uh, Entertainment, which didn't really make games, kind of worked on, like Code Veronica worked on other people's games, uh, did not do a lot of other stuff. But this is their only game, as far as I can tell, uh, and it is incredibly competent for one person's game. Um... <laughs> This is basically all I can tell about the origins of it. I have tried looking into this, and I think that is a big part of the problem. Uh, the game did not get any marketing, uh, really, which is kind of evidenced by the fact that uh, very few people here have heard about it. Um, and it is full of these very impressive aesthetics, as you can see. Um, kind of beautiful lighting effects, uh, really cool, big, beautiful bosses, um, and some really cool mechanics. 
Uh, in it, you control Ranger X, who is the robot guy, and he gets over my aversion to mechs by essentially being normal-sized. I was going to ask you about that, because yeah. you have made it very clear on the show, no more mechs. No mechs. I uh, don't <laughs> like mechs, but I can pretend he's a guy wearing dumb clothes. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is his Raver X. He's just, uh, he's just going through that. And then uh, you simultaneously control a, uh, a smaller uh, little thing uh, called an X-Up which is a little robo-buddy that is either a motorcycle or a jet. And uh, it will either, uh, you can get in there to switch weapons, you can, uh, it will shoot when you shoot, you can get inside it, it has its own health bar, uh, so you can use it as kind of a shield um, as you're getting through things. Um, you can also fly, uh, and you have a little coolant meter, so you can go in all directions. So think a uh, kind of a contra running gun where you can uh, shoot in, uh, you have to choose which direction to shoot, but you can move in all directions uh, from there. Yeah, I um, I try play this. I played everything except for the I think the last one you're gonna do. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot going on in this. It's actually pretty overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's pretty complicated, and that could also be part of the problem because initially it seems very simple, but there are no explanations uh, for anything. So uh, you can see in the lower right of those screenshots, there are different powers you have. When you duck into your X up, you can choose your secondary weapon. And they're vastly different. Um, there's these bizarre homing lasers, there is a uh, follow along the ground thing, flamethrower, and they all have very different properties. Uh, you collect more of them as you go through the game. Um, and having to kind of check into your station to do so is a really neat little tactical concern that you wouldn't necessarily uh, imagine. Yeah. Out there. Yeah. Um, and it has something that I think is really a hallmark. I associate it more with Genesis games um, than with, a, with, a, with uh, SNES games. Which is very large boss fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge, uh, huge boss fights that are different uh, multi-parts. Um, there's a really great centipede, like running centipede thing, that as you destroy sections of it, it gets different power sets as you expose different parts of its uh, uh, its body, its robotic body. Um, and the levels themselves are actually pretty interesting. Uh, you tend to have to go around and destroy a certain number of things uh, in kind of a maze-like environment. Um, my favorite set of levels, or my favorite level is the second one. You're in a cave system. Uh, Ranger X gets recharged by light, so you have to destroy portions of the ceiling for light to shine down and uh, recharge you, much like Cyclops from the X-Men uh, is solar-powered, which everyone forgets about, including the video games. Um, but yeah, I think this is uh, just really obviously cool. It is a very good 16-bit action game um, that I never hear anyone talk about. Yeah. And uh, you guys should look for it out on the floor. It is not uh, expensive. Uh, I've seen it out there. It is, you can get a copy just card only for a few bucks, and it is tons of fun. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on to mine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a cool game. Um, uh, this one is one that, <laughs> it's kind of a qualified recommendation, because I don't know that it's strictly good as much as it is interesting. This you, is a game... Good. While you're gone, I established a thing. Yes. Who here who here has uh, played Ghoul School or knows Ghoul School? Any Ghoul School fans? Okay. Done. Yeah, yeah, that's the cool. thing. So you're winning so far <laughs> with the, the obscurities of words. So. My, my other ones are more well known, and I'll be making a more impassioned defense of them. But <laughs> it's difficult to thinking back on, on NES games because things that people don't know about are either really bad or they already know about them. <laughs> yeah. So um, this, it's a, you know, like I said, it's a qualified recommendation. Uh, it doesn't have the greatest pedigree. 
Uh, it was uh, developed by Imagineering, uh, the people who made such classics as the Ghostbusters 2 video game. Oh, the, the right to left, uh, the right to left non-platformer, where you're chased by a spider yep. uh, that kills you in one hit. As happens in the movie. As yeah. It makes it no. And also, it is a, they, they, they developed an attack of the killer tomatoes, which uh, in a classic is so good. Um, I found out about this game uh, by walking around on the show floor a couple of years ago. Um, I just kind of saw it, I was like, wait a minute, I, I don't recognize this game with a name like Ghoul School. I really like horror games, I do intermittently, um, and um, uh, a survival horror blog called Hexcrank. I was like, okay, like, what is this? And I looked into it, and it's actually, like, a really cool, um, kind of proto-Metroidvania a little bit. It came out in 1992. I would liken it a little bit to, um, like the Goonies do, a little bit. Hmm. So this was made by uh, Gary Kitchen, known for Boydus Blob. That's no it. relation. Our last names are different. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case anyone didn't know how they were. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, yeah spelled different. Well. Yeah. Uh, you play as a, um, a punk, or a punk as envisioned by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. Uh, his name is Spiky O'Hara, so uh, either related to uh, Scarlet or Catherine. Um, you have to save Cool School High from a bunch of ghosts and demons. Okay? So uh, you're going through the hallways of the school and you're fighting these actually really cool looking, you know, like just eye monsters, uh, different kind of goblins and things like that. Uh, little crawling enemies will come after you that you have to really, really work to get around. And you're really disempowered at the start, but there is a, there is a pretty strong kind of empowerment curve as you're going and exploring these different classrooms. Um, you know, and there's a big, wide, sprawling map that you have to open up, um, and, you know, there are certain checkpoints they have to get past, so at the bottom left here, this big pile of skulls with Medusa on top until you have the right thing. You can't get past that. Um, As you do, like in real life. <laughs> yes. I'm just noticing from the screenshot, uh, under under the stage, it says BAP. I thought it said SAT. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, what kind of school, cool school is this? It is standardized. And I think that for um, an NES game, even in a late era NES game, this is a very good looking game. Um, and it follows one of my favorite aesthetics for retro video games and for pinball tables, which is Spooky Goofy, or Goofy Spooky. Um, Not the Kingdom Hearts sequel about that, that no. dreadful character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, even though you're only going on this one, it's pretty difficult. I would recommend, if you're able to find a copy of this or um, work with it so you can have safe states of some kind, that will make it more palatable to modern sensibilities. But the empowerment curve and the exploration and backtracking makes this feel like a proto-survival horror game to me. Um, you know, when really on consoles at about this time, all you had was something like Sweet Home, which used um, turn-based Turn-based random combat. The title didn't find. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I played a little bit of this, and you immediately feel that uh, Gary Kitchen, like, boy in his blob, lanky platformer. Like, your, your jump has more vertical than you maybe expect it to have. Um, it, it definitely feels a little bit weird, but I can see the potential of it. Mm -hmm. And even just the, the drawing of that character, like, the uh, not realistic proportions, but uh, proportions that don't map onto a... You know, a rectangle, like video game characters who look two by one or three by one, generally. Uh, he's got a linkiness to him that I enjoy. Yeah. 
It's a linky punk guy. <laughs> it is a it, it is sprite art that is done in contravention to anything that you would learn about doing sprite art. Yeah, but it looks cool. Yeah, the, yeah. There's a naivety to to yeah. it that I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, Ghoul School. Ghoul Check School. it out. Uh, is it a rare? Is it a crazy expensive game? No. No. So pick up a copy. We actually work for, like, uh, you know, the Game Piggies or some kind of, like, you know, booth, and we're just here doing viral marketing for them. Uh, we lie. Um, the next thing uh, I want to talk about is a game, uh, 1986, uh, a game called Alter Ego. Does anyone know Alter Ego? Got one Alter Ego. A couple, a couple of Alter Ego people. People who personally know Gary know about this game. Uh, Alter Ego. I've been evangelical about this since high school. Uh, 1986, this came out on the, uh, the Commodore 64, um, the uh, Apple II, the Mac. Uh, later, it's ported to iOS. You can play it in your browser. Um, it is basically on everything. Um, and I found this on uh, Home of the Underdogs. Uh, if anyone remembers that, uh, Home of the Underdogs, very cool. Abandonware site uh, back in the day. Uh, and this is a fascinating game. Um, this is made by a guy named Peter J. Favaro. Uh, who, growing up, he had this uh, dual interest in kind of technolo- uh, technology and psychology. Um, and he ended up ultimately going on to research the psychological aspects of games. Uh, and in that research, stumbled upon doing this. Uh, this is his only game uh, that he has put out. However, he currently works as a psychologist for an esports concern. And his website, uh, if you go to it, says, email uh, Dr. Favaro to learn about his new game, which I did, and got a a uh, shockingly quick turnaround for what is definitely his regular email address. That was a form thing about a game he's making where you control uh, a spectral force slash gin, aka genie, in Grand Central Station choosing to help or hinder people's plans, including blowing up Grand Central Station. <laughs> and the end, it has this great sentence at the end where it's like, will you be powerful or gin enough? And I've never considered whether I'm gin enough for anything. Yeah, we have to become we have to become unto gin. Uh, you know, so Flipside Tactics is the name of the esports concern he works for. Um, but you know, despite the fact that that is all comical. Uh, this game is really neat. Uh, he set out to simulate, uh, let players simulate another life. Um, you go through this game, you take a short, short uh, personality quiz, and then uh, you enter the game, and you kind of in a board game fashion, you flip over the series of cards that correlate to different parts of your life. So health, social, family, work, school, things like that. And then you do a little multiple choice. You make uh, choose your own adventure style choices, and they impact your stats. Um, and then depending on what stats you have and what things have happened, you'll get different events. Um, it is really impressive. Uh, there are many different stages of life. Uh, you start off uh, in utero uh, in this game. You start off like not wanting, you know, choosing whether you want to leave the womb or not, which makes Fallout 3's intro look like garbage. Uh, and then uh, depending on how things go, you can go into, you know, peacefully die of old age, or you can uh, get... Uh, you know, abducted, or you can get cancer and die, or you can get murdered in an alley, and the like. The amount of different kind of variation is really shocking uh, in this. Yeah, I uh, I played this on iOS, and it's a very good fit for that. Actually, you know, this is not an action-heavy game. It is a strategy or a role-playing game in kind of the most shocking, maybe the rural sense. You are making a choice for a character, a human character, in relatively realistic situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I only got to the end of the childhood phase, uh, but it said that I was uh, sociable, positive, okay. and not very healthy. 
Oh. Yeah. So, Turn out a three ain't bad. The, uh, so, um, the, uh, I'm just kidding. You're, uh, so the, um, something just to, like the elephant in the room that is worth talking about with this. Uh, so when this came out, this is one of the early examples of trying to market uh, games to women. Um, it was just sold as a male and female version. Um, now you get that choice in the beginning. Uh, but it was made in 1986. So uh, even though your, uh, your race is not specified in the game, the game has drawn some kind of criticism for that because it's, you never experience racism. Like, it's, you're not called a white guy in this, but you're treated as a white guy would be treated in 1986. Um, you know, there is no spectrum of gender things in the game. It is very much a time capsule. I think it's valuable as that. Um, the people who uh, steward it now are called Choice of Games. Um, I think it's called Choice of Games? got in here, but they've got a really, really good uh, statement on their, yeah, Choice of Games, they have a really good statement on their website about kind of their attitude, like, we understand this, uh, changing this would be rewriting it completely, this is maintained as an artifact of the 80s. So uh, there's a lot of, like, quaint uh, stuff in it, like, you can buy a house. <laughs> I don't know if you can imagine that, but, like, you can just get a job and buy a house, it's really easy. Uh, you just choose to go to college. Uh, so if you want to, it just happens, and if you don't want to, it doesn't happen. And if you don't do it, you can then just get a job. Like, it's, it's all pretty amazing. Uh, but you have this real sense in this of role-playing. Like, this is a role-playing game in the truest sense of the word. Um, you know, people think of a role-playing game either in, like, Baldur's Gate or Dragon Quest terms. Uh, but in those things, like, you're, the role you're choosing is, like, do I ask for more money or more experience? Do I help this person or not? This is really, you know, you sit down and uh, make a choice at every kind of step of the way. Yeah. Um, it takes place in the modern day, like Earthbound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the modern day, like Family Ties. Um, the, uh, and there's also, the, the writing is very charming uh, in it. One of the slides I hear, have here in the lower left, I just did screen captures from the uh, childhood phase because I've played this game a million times. Um, but the, uh, you know, you're going to draw on the walls, and then, you know, draw on the paper or draw. In general. That's cute. Uh, the lower right is you uh, learning to use the bathroom by yourself. And there are all these, you know, you're constantly put in this, uh, this situation where you can choose to kind of do the thing you know is good, and get the good boy points for playing a game, or you can play this character like a car you've stolen. And like, no, like, my parents are having dinner, and I'm going to go shit yeah. In general. Uh, and you get in trouble and it damages your relationship, but it's still you get to see what happens. Uh, it is a fascinating game for that. Yeah. Um, something that I like about it is you're not just given a choice of what to do, you're given a choice of your disposition yes. while you do it. So you can see here, uh, you can choose to be either artistic or impulsive, and you can choose to draw on the paper or draw in general. Uh, for this one, at least, all four combinations are... Correct, that they will affect your stats and give you a different readout in different ways. Other times, there are kind of dispositions that do not uh, have compatibility with particular actions. Yeah, you can't say you're kindly like stabbing a person. Right. Like I, I stabbed a hobo uh, artistically. Like yeah. it's not that high concept. Yeah. The, <laughs> there's no art crimes uh, in it. Um, but yeah, it's really really cool. It is easy to play. You can play it on your phone right now. You can play it online for free. I really recommend it. Um, one of the absolute first uh, life sim games came out a year after Little Computer People, um, but way deeper than Little Computer People, um, and just like a really remarkable game that I'm disappointed more people have not played. Yeah, but maybe now more people will. Yeah, don't disappoint me is the subtext <laughs> of that. <laughs> if you know what's good for you. 
No. <laughs> this is great. I, uh, you know, you told me about this several years ago. I fired it up, played about partway through. Mm -hmm. I continued playing it last night, even after I uh, did my research. So. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good. Um, let me see here. For me, this one, uh, it's going to get into things that are a little bit more mainstream uh, that you're going to know about. Who here has played Legend of the Mystical Ninja for the SNES? Okay, I did a bad job in picking a hidden gem. <laughs> However, um, in thinking about the SNES era and the games that you hear talked about an awful lot, uh, I don't hear this one come up very often when people are kind of writing their hagiography of the stuff that uh, kind of ends up, you know, on games Mount Rushmore or whatever. Usually that's Nintendo stuff, and there are some Konami and Capcom things. Even within this series, we didn't get very many of them here in America. Uh, this came out here in uh, 1992. Um, and when people talk about the series here, they either say, oh, I liked the N64 one, and that's a good game. I like that game quite a bit. Or, if they're really knowledgeable, they say, oh, the one we got on the SNES is garbage compared to the sequel to it that we didn't get here. Uh, however, even though that may be the case, that one is also very fun, I would like to make a case for why this game is really worth another look um, and should be kind of seen as one of the, you know, good, best, you know, a great game on the SNES. I first played this um, at my cousin's house when I was, like, really young. It was just one of the SNES games that they had among their collection, along with Mario World, Mario Kart, Mario Paint, Mario Contra, Mario Castlevania, any of those. Man, when I play Mario Contra. <laughs> it can still happen. <laughs> and I was really drawn to it because this was, this is a cooperative game. In fact, um, I got into this right around the time that I was really playing River City Ransom with my brother an awful lot. And this feels like a continuation of that idea where you are palling around with your buddy in a town beating people with pipes um, and buying cool sushi and hamburgers. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this was back in 1992 where an entire sitcom episode could be about the principals deciding to get sushi. Yes. I don't know if you remember that, but it'd be like, oh, the friends are trying sushi. <laughs> like Jerry Seinfeld had sushi. What? Yeah. What is this alien food? Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, this is a very just kind of like fun, easy, approachable game that has a great amount of variety to it. You know, you have the stages are kind of built, uh, broken into two, where you're walking around the town and there are various samurais and such that you can see who are going to, you know, be just beat up for money. Um, there's also these side-scrolling uh, areas where you can do cool special attacks and use the special items that you bought in town. Um, and even inside the town, you have different shops you can go to and different little mini-games that you can play. So you can go and do odd jobs like playing a little like snake game to paint for money, or you can play like carnival games like uh, 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 Whack-A-Mole or Bet on Horse Races and stuff. Uh, you know, in the River City Ransom episode that we did earlier this year, we likened that game to like an early Yakuza kind mm -hmm. of game. This has that as well, where it's like about being in these places and going and doing cool stuff. Yeah. Beating up people but with a side of economy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, additionally, it's a funny game. <laughs> like the opening cutscene makes an allusion to, you know, like a, a, a Bissamaru uh, in, in this game, Dr. Yang. He talks about, oh, something spooky is happening with the ghost of the temple. It does this big close-up. And then, like, Kid Ying is like, no close-ups, any of that. It's really aware. It breaks the fourth wall. Um, and it's just incredibly charming. And it was a real formative game for me. 
Yeah. I like also how Dr. Yang looks like really tired Mario. Yes. Especially in that <laughs> screenshot. He's like, Mario is so overriding a shark. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and I guess after his life, like, you know, that's probably not that exciting. Yeah. Right? Almost, uh, when, when, At some point, when, you keep chasing when, higher highs. Yeah, he's just, you know, highs. And eventually, you know, just the last Mario games we get are just him playing that knife game. <laughs> you know, just for thrills. Losing just, on purpose. Just to feel alive. Yeah, just, just to feel alive. Just to chip some bone. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is great. I played this when it was uh, when it was around. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, you know, I really liked it. I never had anybody to play it with. I didn't have all my uh, co-op friends. We're not co-op friends. They just wanted to try to beat me in Street Fighter. <laughs> but uh, but the, uh, everyone just wanted to play Street Fighter, too, because of my age. Um, but the, uh, you know, I played a lot of this uh, solo, and it was really fun. Yeah. It was a great game. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, I this probably was some of my first real exposure to something that was explicitly set in Japan and had Japanese folklore. You know, you're fighting, you know, in the first stage, you know, those yokai who look like umbrellas and stuff like that. And sharks. <laughs> sharks. See the, uh, this is pretty fun because when you're moving from uh, stage one to stage two, you choose a different tra- uh, uh, travel plan at the travel mm-hmm. agency. I accidentally chose the cheapest one, even though I had enough money. The cheapest one is rowing your way in the uh, in the washtub. Yeah. You arrive there with fewer bonuses. Yeah, that's great. Stage, yeah. Yeah. Really clever. Yeah. Really clever, elaborate game. Um, the last one for me to lose my obscurity award, uh, the last game I want to talk about uh, is Fallout Tactics. Um, people here, you guys know Fallout Tactics? Yeah. yeah. So people, people know this one. Um, and th- I don't think this is necessarily uh, not well known, but this is the uh, the third tagline or whatever, unfairly maligned. <laughs> um, so this is a 2001 game by Microforte, uh, released on the PC. Um, I found this uh, at a Walmart or Target or what have you, because I had Fallout on the title, and I love Fallout 1 and 2. Uh, those are some of my all-time favorite games. Uh, and of course, when I first uh, got this, I was disappointed, like people are when they get this and they expect Fallout 1 or 2. Um, it's not that. This is a totally different spin-off. Um, it is inspired uh, explicitly by uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, um, and is part of this really, really weird subgenre of Jagged Alliance-likes, uh, of which I think there are three series. Um, this is, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the third-person RTS, how there's Brutal Legend, Sacrifice, and... and <laughs> That's it, you know, yeah, yeah, people just Pikmin, like, it's just not a very popular uh, genre. Um, But I think this is really worthwhile on its own. Um, It is, uh, if you are a Fallout lore or world or flavor person, um, even though this has been excised from the canon, I think it is actually pretty interesting, uh, dealing with a splinter group of the Brotherhood, uh, and it's when the Brotherhood are still jerks, it's before Fallout 3 made them into knights. Um, You know, they are still uh, assholes, and the kind of uh, distinguishing factor is they've chosen to recruit from the outside. Uh, so this game has this kind of like military-esque uh, fashion to it, including having Arlie Emery as your drill sergeant. And the, uh, it's like Arlie Ermy. Ermy. Yeah, it's, it, it sounds like Army. I'm pretty it's sure Ermy. it's Emery. Uh, uh, no, I, <laughs> I just want to... Do you know how uh, Kubrick picked him for, uh, for Little Death? Uh, I've told you the story five times. I mean, tell me again, because it's, um, if I said yes, and then we just moved on, it'd make for an incredibly weird podcast. (laughs) Oh, God, Uh, an in-joke has turned into a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) He did his his yelling at people thing for like a half hour without repeating himself while being pelted with tennis balls from a tennis ball launcher. Yeah. Uh, That was impressive enough. Yeah, that's how Kubrick recruited all of his actors, actually. Yes. (laughs) It's really weird. Chili Duvall. Like, (laughs) poor woman. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, the story is not uh, great shakes in this, but it's also not embarrassing. Um, you know, there's this whole idea of Vault Zero and this army of robots. 
Uh, and the game, you know, no one's gotten to the end of this, but it actually does pretty interesting things where at the end you can merge with the AI, and depending how you've played, it will limit your options. So if you have been inclusive and kind to the different, like, uh, you know, societies of the waste and different uh, different races, then you can enforce that and kind of like a merge with Helios style Deus Ex ending. Uh, but if you've been scorched earth and been a real jerk, that option's not available to you, um, which is really, really neat. Um, but the big game, uh, the big draw here is the gameplay changes. Um, this is basically a little dialogue, little quests, but a really much more robust Fallout combat system, um, where you uh, you have different modes. Um, you can do uh, straight up turn based. You can play it like Fallout, uh, which is not recommended because it plays very slowly. Um, but you can also play it in kind of a semi real time mode where uh, moving does not cost action points, but actions do, and you set characters up to overwatch. Uh, and there is a lot of meticulous planning of ambushes uh, in this game, which is immensely satisfying. Um, making a noise and positioning your shotgun around one side of a door, knowing that the raider is going to come through that door and you are going to automatically blast them as soon as they come through, is really, really fun uh, in this game. Um, really satisfying. It's like, uh, it's like setting up um, a tax of opportunity before third edition. Yeah, you know? yep. yeah very similar. Uh, in no, D&D. Uh, um, and it is, like, a good comparison for this, I think, is uh, if Fallout is Baldur's Gate, then this is Icewind Dale. You know, um, you know it is the combat-focused version that has some improvements, uh, including an Icewind Dale-esque focus on constructing a balanced team. Um, you know, you have six of your different uh, people here. You kind of play a metagame at your base where uh, you recruit different people or reject them based on their stats or what you need in your team uh, and train people up to fill different roles uh, in your team. And the big thing uh, for this, for me at least, is that uh, as I get older, I favor really slow strategic games more because uh, <laughs> I am slower uh, than I used to be, but I'm also more strategic. Uh, thus the P Peter Gunn theme uh, when he came in to set everybody uh, uh, at ease. And uh, I find this game uh, really satisfying to take an hour, uh, the missions are very long, and meticulously clear a map from one side to the other, and just kind of dismantle these uh, gameplay scenarios, these different formations and uh, setups and ambushes and such that the raiders have. Um, and then there's this wacky stuff like vehicles. Um, there's multiplayer in this game uh, where you play different races, including a dog. So if you want to have a team of six dog meets, uh, you can, and see how that would work in, uh, in Fallout. Um, and it also came with a tabletop uh, war game variant set of rules uh, for it, which is really, really neat. And I've never played that because I don't have war game friends. Because uh, I have friends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is not meant as a specific burn. It just yeah. has a you know, burn in general. In just a general, yeah, burn in general, artistically. Um, but I feel like this is a game that I want on here because it has a really bad reputation because I think people uh, don't go into it with the right expectations. I think if you come into it thinking it's going to be Fallout 3, it's not. If you come into it thinking it's going to be Jagged Alliance 2, but with Fallout flavor, it is. And uh, Jagged Alliance 2 is rightfully really well regarded. That's a great game. Um, so yeah, so if you like tactics and you like strategy games, check out Fallout Tactics. For me, as somebody who really only became aware of Fallout, you know, kind of in the mid-2000s, I was not necessarily a big PC gamer, you know, in the, in the late 90s when Fallout would have been, you know, the game to get and the game to play. I really associated Fallout Tactics with another bad Fallout game, Fallout Brotherhood of Steel. In my mind, those were just murders. Well, you know this is called Fallout Tactics Brotherhood of Steel. Is it? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah that is the subtitle, so it's, it's not your fault. So if people don't know Fallout uh, Brotherhood of Steel, 
is like a Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance or Diablo-like, but it's sponsored by Ball's Energy Drink. <laughs> so you're constantly, and, and you know, Fallout has a soda. Yeah. <laughs> like, but just going through and having all these advertisements for balls, uh, it, it, it ruins the immersion and the yeah. Fallout flavor. It's, 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 yeah, it's just, it very improbably took Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance and Fallout, two things that are very good, and made them not work well. Yeah, it, it's horrible. It's like a peanut butter and shrimp sandwich. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> but this is not that. And for me, my personal exposure to this was when it just kind of dropped on GOG, or I think maybe Steam gave it out for free or something like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, this is the one that takes place in the Midwest, too. Yeah, yeah, this also yeah. takes place in the outskirts of Chicago. So I am from DeKalb, Illinois, about an hour west of Chicago, and this allows me to fulfill all of my, like, Schomburg invasion fantasies. <laughs> so, like, if you ever wanted to level a decimated Schomburg, if you ever want to stick it to Moline, uh, you get to, and East Moline, uh, you get to do so in Fallout Tactics. But it's ridiculous, because Fallout is only ever super, super West Coast or super, super yeah. East Coast. Yeah. For, it's, for me, it's like Fallout 76. Like, oh, I'm familiar with this area. Like, this looks like places where I grew up. So and then you get Fallout 76. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You don't enjoy the game very much, but yeah. it's pretty and it's in a different place. So. Yeah, I, I, I got my three hours on it. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, it's good. Yeah. I, I like it quite a bit. And hearing that it was inspired by Final Fantasy Tactics makes me. Sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a similar kind of spin-off, and also it is what I would use to bait a trap that I need a Gary to fall into. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, both those words are extremely killing words to me. <laughs> like, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, and for me, this last one is going to be uh, another one people probably are familiar with. Um, it is going to be Dynamite Penny. Who here has played Dynamite Penny? Okay, cool. We got uh, claps and hands. A couple of heady heads. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a game by Treasure. Um, came out a couple years after Gunstar Heroes, which I think is you know the most beloved game that Treasure did, at least on this uh, generation. At least, again, the one that I've heard spoken about the most. And this was really dredged up in my memory when we recently covered Gunstar Heroes. And that's a very good game. But I was thinking, man, this is just like... This doesn't like this feels like treasure, but it doesn't feel like treasure. And I realized, oh yeah, when I think of treasure, I think of this game. Probably because it was it was my first exposure to it. Um, I don't know how I ended, I ended up with this. I probably saw it in Game Pro, asked for it for Christmas, as uh, as things do. But this is a game. It's a platformer. Um, it's one of Treasure's platformers, not one of their uh, to me. Just unplayable shooters. I'm not a fan of their shooters very much. Um, and your play is Dynamite Hetty, this kind of marionette uh, who has a ta- detachable head that he can actually like fling at enemies, and that is his attack. Uh, there's he action- decaps yeah. to attack, <laughs> uh, as it were. <laughs> Um, uh, but it's a little bit like Kirby to a certain extent because Hetty can um, get different heads that give him different abilities. So ones that give him, you know, energy shields around him, ones that make him faster, jump higher. There are sections of the world where you have to get the head that makes you super tiny so you can go around. Um, again, um, a treasure playing around with scale in a uh, very entertaining way that has kind of become a hallmark of that, uh, of that studio or had become. Um, and this is um, a very difficult game that has some very cool bosses. 
you can see up here, you know, it opens with this amazing chase scene. You've got this uh, robot who is going and throwing buddies and his, your, your buddies in his basket on his back. You have this big marionette who goes around putting on just some different costumes that you have to knock the pieces off of, like you would associate with Treasure and Gunstar Heroes, etc. This is a boss-forward game that happens to have some pretty good platforming with a good amount of variety. Uh, there is one level that uh, is like a shoot 'em up you know, very far into the game. It's like, I, when I got to this as a kid, it was like, whoa, I didn't buy a shoot 'em up but here one is, and this kind of blows my mind right now. You don't have the uh, balloon dog circus boss. No. Which no. is the one I remember mm -hmm. uh, from when I played this uh, yeah. back in the day. Yeah, the one with the, uh, the weak spot on the tail. Yeah. Um, and the little angel that comes in. Target, yeah, target, it's target, target, target. target, target. Yeah. yeah. It's a really inappropriate ad <laughs> to put in the middle of it. Where do you think I got the game? <laughs> um, but yeah, this is, <laughs> no, no. this is a this is a demanding game. Um, but uh, I also think that uh, the variety works well to its benefit. Uh, every boss has something different of you, um, and it has this whole metaphor built into it, where everything is like a puppet, uh, like a like a stage play or like a puppet show kind of thing. You can even see here, like on the chase scene, like the uh, the the, tre the um, uh, trestle underneath the track as you're going on. You can see like your health meter is. Um, uh, this uh, kind of uh, spotlight up on the stage here um, and like you will just go and like you will end up fighting like stage hands who get caught out in front of this uh, caught out in front of the set accidentally as it goes on parts of it will fall fall down um, and there are like some two and a half D portions built into this uh, that are like battle toads but the hardware was ready for it um, and so you can actually like navigate the 3D in a sensible way. It's the best thing anyone's ever said and used the phrase like Battletoads. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything you describe like Battletoads that's good. And I'm like, oh, character design, food, games, like nothing sounds good. Like if you had a spaghetti dinner and it was like Battletoads. <laughs> I, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think that, you know, in going back to either or very strong complaints about this. I think the biggest ones I've heard have been aesthetic, that, you know, it's pretty visually noisy, and sometimes it's hard to hear what's going on. If you can figure out how to read it, though, this game really does lose charm and is one of the best platformers on the Sega Genesis. Yeah. It's a really good game. I think that when I was younger, the reason why I preferred Gunstar Heroes is because of the mascot design. Mm -hmm. uh, I do not like how Dynamite Heady looks. I don't like his face. I don't like his attitude. I don't like how he dresses. I don't like his like little smirk. I don't like um, anything about who he chooses to be. Yeah, I, I feel like, like every choice he makes, I would make the opposite. Uh, in general, I have no respect for Dynamite Head um, as a person. But I do do like the game a lot, and I love the the bosses. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's also well, it's not it's not co-op, right? No. That's the other big thing with uh, in terms of comparing this to Gunstar Heroes, yeah. uh, which is like an interesting you know way that a game can be kind of moving uh, segueing on to you know why some of these games are on the list or why they ended up in this position um, is this you know very specifically got overshadowed in part because of that yeah. um, you know this is maybe a stronger single player experience but at the time you know everybody wanted to have their idiot friends over to like I don't know eat tortillas and shoot stuff you know so. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, like, what, and this is kind of obvious, but just kind of to wrap up, um, why did cool, good games fail? Um, because there are too many other good games. That's, I mean, that's definitely true now, yeah. um, 100%, uh, and even then, you know, to a degree. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, like, you had, you know, just the, the, the economy was different, at least 
for you know for me and my family you know you got two games in a year and maybe there were rentals and stuff like that yeah but there were these big games that you just kind of always got because of word of mouth it was more difficult again speaking for myself to take a chance on something that seemed like an unknown quantity and notice that with a lot of these it was either something i found out about here recently or like a, a family member had it um no i remember dynamite heady there was a friend down the street uh, who had it i played dynamite it there and liked it uh, no, his name was Brian. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I played it there, and I liked it so much, I was like, hey, can I have this for Christmas? Oh, sorry, I unlocked a memory there. Yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> the, the, I mean, the other big thing, too, is marketing. Uh, surfacing games was really weird. Uh, in, you know, up until 2000, uh, if you recall, in a pre-internet time, where, like, I, I had a subscription to maybe a video game magazine for maybe a fourth of my childhood, um, but that meant there were huge swaths of games I did not uh, did not get and never would ever have heard of uh, for anything, unless a friend had it, and it just was invisible to me. Um, and uh, it's no longer the case. Now the opposite is true. Uh, part of it is because I can buy my own games, but part of it is because, uh, you know, every week I hear about three or four games that sound pretty cool, uh, and I cannot take chances for that reason. Yeah. You know? So there are still hidden gems going out there that I'm still missing. I have not caught up. I'm almost 40. Uh, the, so that hasn't happened. So, yeah, uh, that's about what we have. Uh, we have just a couple minutes. If anyone has any questions who like listens to the show, can, uh, if not, it's also okay. No pressure. Yeah. We can go back to the stare off. I think I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does anybody have uh, what's your uh, favorite obscure gem? Like, if you wanted somebody to walk away with uh, somebody playing something, I will say it out loud on the microphone, and uh, you know, a bunch of people will hear it. Yeah. Swords and Serpents by Interplay for the any Yeah, yeah, Swords and Serpents, which I think is a four-player like role-playing game. Is that true? It's a multi-tap game? It is a four-player wizardry-style dungeon crawler. Yeah. Every person plays a different party member, and the party members are saved by a password, so you can take your... Your password, you take your character to your friend's house. I played oh, that wow. as a kid. Yeah, yeah, Swords yeah. and Serpents by Interplay, by, super, super cool. By Brian Fargo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, my boy, <laughs> Fallout fame. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anybody else obscure thing? Yeah. Uh, uh, Tara, you were first. Then Star Tropics Two. Star Tropics Two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't actually played that one. I played a lot of Star Tropics, but I haven't played the second one. Yeah, the second one get, is not nearly as popular. Yeah. It's widely hated, in fact. But I, I don't know. I think it's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in front. Uh, there. I was going to say, no one can stop Mr. Domino. Oh, yeah, oh, no one yeah. can stop Mr. Domino. That game is weird. Yeah, uh, yeah weird and good. Yeah. Like, as a action board game, Endless Runner. Uh, yeah, that game is super strange. I was really surprised. That, that, that is a good one. I, I, I probably would have, you know, if I was smart, I would have gone and looked at Advent Suffering to see if there were any good candidates there. I was really surprised when I played that here recently, because when I played it as a kid, on a demo disc, I had no idea what was going on because it didn't map to any kind of game that I had any comprehension of. Really, really creative. Uh, anybody else before we get? Yeah. Ninja Baseball Batman. I love oh, Ninja yeah. Baseball Batman. And speak, yeah. man, thank you for setting us up for a segue. Very generous. Uh, we're, we're, after this, we are doing our meetup at Quarter World. Uh, you know, stay for Retronauts. I would if I were uh, not paneling uh, doing that. But then afterwards, come to Quarter World uh, for our meetup and play Ninja Baseball Batman, which is a 
absolutely breathtakingly beautiful side-scrolling beat-em-up that has the weirdest theming uh, that I've ever seen. You are baseball robots and you fight planes and stuff. Uh, everything is stuff that you don't fight in real life. Like in this country, you fight a plane, you get put on a list, as we all learned. So, like, but this is a more innocent time. <laughs> I can't have Will in the front row when I do these. <laughs> I just keep making jokes for Will and then not being able to handle when he looks at me. <laughs> yeah. uh, anywho, uh, thanks everybody uh, for coming. We really appreciate you. And uh, if you're around tomorrow, we'll be at our table. Um, it's over in the corner uh, by the women's bathroom. We don't request that, but they keep putting us there. And uh, we have stickers and buttons and stuff, and we'd love to say hi. Okay. We'd love to say hi. Thank you so much for coming out, everybody. Yeah, thank you.